Well, we snuck home against an insipid kangaroo's outfit by a whopping 77 points. But Walshie's got us all taking cold showers and taking it one day at a time. Join the crew as we gloat about round one, go behind enemy lines in our preview of the match versus Collingwood, and have an epic board talk with none other than Alex is on fire. Stuff you, Walshie. We're getting excited. This is Crowcast. Thanks very much, Phoenix, once again. And uh, welcome, everybody, to the uh, Adelaide Board Big Footy Crowcast. Great to have you all along again this evening. And what a magnificent start it was to the football season with the uh, mighty Adelaide Crows getting up with a 77-point thumping of the Kangaroos, if you don't mind. Get off of our turf, get out of Adelaide Oval, get back to Melbourne. Fantastic stuff. What a way to open the season. And isn't it great when a plan comes together? Very, very exciting. And uh, we're certainly very excited at the Crowcast tonight to uh, bring you all the news and information from around the AFL and also from the game on Sunday, as well as having a little bit of a look at the uh, the danger game next week against the Collingwood. And I think it is a danger game too, because uh, we know what happened last year. All right, uh, look, I'm just going to have a really quick whiz around and let everybody know who's with us tonight. We've got uh, Phoenix 67, Specious Argument, Nikki New, WFL or Waffle as we prefers to be known and uh, they'll help me this evening uh, on the panel. Peter J with you as your host and uh, we'll get through all the information that we can for you. All right, uh, let's crack on without any further ado. We'll get on to Nikki's news. Good evening, Nikki. How are you? I'm very well after that weekend, but I have to say, thank God footy's back. We don't actually have to talk about Essendon apart from the fact that they couldn't play four quarters of football and actually made Sydney look like they knew what football was by the end of the game. It shows you what no pre-season does, no pre-season matches. Oh, well and truly. Now, I have to say, though, the match of the round for me was actually the Bulldogs-Eagles game. I happened to switch over partway through the first quarter, and I was just on the edge of my seat for the most of that game. If anybody hasn't seen it, get your hands on the highlights. There were some amazing goals kicked there um, coast to coast. A uh, very horrible thing happened with some injury with Mitchum. But, yeah, I actually really enjoyed that game. I know other people have talked about the Frio Port one, but I found that a bit of a snore fest. Um, to me, that was the match of the round. But we'll start off with the ladder. And it's very nice. Do we do we actually really need to know where anybody else is in the ladder or just who's at first? Who first is. Please Order. tell me. I do believe it's this team called Adelaide with 222.22%. Keep and, a lid uh, on which, it. Come on. Which other South Australian team isn't in the top eight? Uh, that'll be the one sitting in 10th with 90.67. I reckon that percentage is a, is a major, major boost, isn't it? Because it's really um, almost worth two wins. Oh, that that's just insane. Um, I mean, the nearest one the nearest one to us is, of course, Hawthorne with 201. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's quite a nice little handy percentage to have. But to keep going on with the rest of the Apple News, so um, today the rising star um, for round one was named as Camden McIntosh with very unfortunate first name spelling uh, for Richmond with 23 disposals, nine marks and a goal and basically making Judd look old and slow. But in sad news though, uh, Tim 
uh, Timmy Sumner, a former Woodbury West Torrens uh, player, has been released from his contract um, from the Gold Coast Suns. He's lost the passion to play AFL, so he's actually walked away from the game. And we actually saw the new look match review panel uh, where everybody has started with a clean slate. So there were... what is it, four $1,000 sanctions uh, were handed out. Jamie Elliott got charged with tripping Lewis Taylor. Zach Clark was uh, charged with tripping Jared Pollock. Tom Jonas uh, charged with striking Chris Main, but he only got um, $1,000 um, sanction for that one with an early plea. Brad Ebert was charged with tripping Cameron Sutcliffe. There was a bit going on in that game by the sounds of it there. Um Matt Shaw from Gold Coast Suns was charged with engaging in rough conduct against Dean Kent. Uh, he got a one-match suspension. And Brett Delidio uh, was charged also with engaging in rough conduct against Simon White with also a one-match sanction. What I really liked, though, was that the review panel put out the reasons for each one. And one of the interesting things I thought was that they actually talked about what the coaching, uh, what the player Um, expectation was from the coaches and so if the coach would expect them to go in hard the match review panel is a little more forgiving because the coach would have yelled yelled at them basically and the other one which caused um, a bit of interest was Stevie Johnson who would be one of the most thankful people that everybody started with a clean slate because he only has a thousand dollar fine for his off the ball hit on Sam Mitchell on Monday yeah we all want to hit Sam Mitchell (laughs) Yeah, that, that that wasn't a good look. But here's the worst part is injuries. The the one thing we really hate to see. So Mitch Brown is out for the season. Um, torn anterior cruciate ligament scans have confirmed it is his left knee that he had done a number of years ago and already been reconstructed, which is horrible, horrible news for him and very bad for West Coast. Um Mitch, uh, not Mitch McGovern, we've got Mitch, Jeremy McGovern, who did, though, had an amazing game in holding that defence together and playing out of his skin. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets three Brownlow votes in a losing side from that game. Now, Luke Parker had uh, got some friendly fire from... Uh, Buddy Franklin on the weekend for the Swans. He apparently is feeling fine, but decision on whether he plays Port Adelaide on Saturday will lay ultimately with the club doctors. And scans have confirmed that Tom Rockliffe will miss four to six weeks with broken ribs and a punctured lung. Um, Dale Thomas, this is an interesting one. Did anybody see his shoulder? Yes, popped um, out. That accident? Oh, it was ugly. Yeah, that wasn't good. But what's interesting is that they've determined that surgery is not required and the best course of action is to treat it conservatively. So he's expected to sick, miss about six matches, but they're not. But then they'll still won't be too sure as, as to how it's going. Shoulder dislocations are a funny thing. I've had a few of them and I, I was instructed to have a reconstruction, but I, I let it heal on its own and I've, I've had a lot more problems with the shoulder. I haven't had the, recon, the um, injury on. Yeah, so I think that's why they're probably being a little bit conservative with this. Um, the other interesting one out of that game was um, Christian Jacks. Uh, he felt some discomfort post-game and throughout the night that followed, scans then revealed that he suffered two broken ribs. Um, so that's suspected to keep him sidelined for two matches. Um well, we're going to call this good news for us in that um, still side bottom will miss a few weeks after breaking his thumb right at the end. Um of the game against the Brisbane Lions. Um, And talking of shoulders, Gary Ablett still doesn't really have a left shoulder. That was not good seeing him just with one limp arm attempting to play football. He probably shouldn't have played at all. 
I mean, I, I like to see the fire that Melbourne had in targeting him and, you know, really getting stuck into him. It showed that they wanted to win and they were going to do anything to do it. But it's also sad seeing a guy like that not playing at his best. Yeah, I mean, he still pulled some amazing things out, as only Ablett can do. But once you cross Look, that white line, Ablett, you're fully yeah, fit. Yeah, Ablett, Ablett at 50% is still better than, you know, the rest of their 22. And another bad news for Gold Coast Suns, what was revealed just before that game was Jager O'Meara dislocated his kneecap. Um, he'll be sidelined for extended periods after scans revealed um, he'll require the surgery. He actually ruptured his patella tendon. Interestingly, this was his first game back after undergoing patella surgery on both knees in London at the end of last season. So you really want to be having a chat with the doctor that did it because he obviously didn't do a good job. You'd hope it was not, um, wasn't Dr. Bean. Oh, who knows? Um, Matt Loby pulled out beforehand with um, some quad tightness. Um, so that'll be assessed. That could be very interesting uh, ramifications for the Port Sydney game coming up. And Rewalt has been cleared of any damage from whiplash that he um, suffered. Nikki, just to back to Port Adelaide, I was interested that they ended up subbing off Carlisle, which is a really big call at that time of the game when Pavlik playing as he was. Really big call to, to uh, sub um, Carlisle out. He looked like it was just having cramps, but surely there must have been some kind of injury there. Well, they haven't reported anything on that, but it 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 could be that he was cramping in that hamstring, which and um, we know he has he's had some issues with before. And yeah, that that heat um, playing over there, older body. Who knows? It, it could be something. Could have been just some tightness, so they were being a bit conservative with him. Uh, who uh, laid that bump on Rewalt, Mickey, from GWS? Uh, a bug. Yes, and I he was cleared. Clear. I thought it was a reportable um, when I first saw it. I don't know if it was a bump or a collision. I think he was going to – Rewalt did move in front of him. Um, that's very interesting if you go and have a look at the, the match review panel, their report on it, because that's where they actually talked about – what the coaches would have expected from Bug, and they would have expect, and they actually said that the coach would have expected him to continue to move on. Um, Revolt did step into his way. Once he did that, he then kind of, well, you know, you're in my way. I'm going to bump you. That's right. He didn't. He didn't pull up out of the way. He could have, but you know, had he done that, he would have been dragged. Yeah. So that was really interesting from the match review panel where that one came out. And the other thing I thought I'd finish up on is the coaches' votes from the le- um, from over the. Um, round. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what we've just had. We've had a round. So it's interesting that there's one, two, three, four, five, six players um, got maximum votes from coaches. They include our very own captain, Taylor Walker, Nat Fife, still side bottom, Dylan Shield, Jeremy McGovern, as I just said before, and Tom McDonald from Melbourne. Um, sitting on eight votes, uh, Josh Gibson and Jordan Lewis, who's sharing it from Hawthorne, Luke Parker, and then Dangerfield rounds it out with the seven with Taylor Hunt and Kieran Jack. Superb uh, wrap-up there, Nikki. Thanks very much. What do we think, guys, just moving to Adelaide News, what do we think of the game on Sunday? Uh, obviously, it was a terrific win, 77 points. What are uh, everybody's thoughts? Pete, I, I found it fascinating that on um, Easter weekend, and you I uh, love the uh, defensive intensity, Peter, of, we haven't seen that in a good couple of years, and we were just right at them. They had no room at times, or most of the time. A few 
a few moments in the third quarter. I just loved how we, our ferocious attack on the ball and the player. I think one of the most telling um, points of the game to do with that is if you go to six minutes left in the second quarter, in our forward line, there's only two There's two North Melbourne defenders and then there's Tex and Eddie. Now, they're a little bit away. One of the North, Mem- North Melbourne players, he, he gets it a little bit away. The ball's near the boundary line. Another North player's coming in and he stands over the ball and he does not pick it up. He just stands there and watches it slowly trickle over the line. He just didn't want to touch that ball in case he was going to get hammered. Now, to be fair, the time I think he had, he could have picked it up and got a quick kick away. But the pressure, the implied pressure that was there, we got to them. Yeah, pretty fair observation, I reckon, Nikki. Well, I think the other thing that really impressed me also was um, uh, the coaches talked about the, you know, the flexibility that it requires and all of the different positions. And it was amazing to see um, the players just running around in all different positions, rotating continually, and there seemed to be barely anybody that uh, settled into any particular position at a given time. Oh, there, there were some very set positions that stayed that way for a while. I mean, Van Berle played pretty much off the forward line, except for some little stints in the midfield. McKay played down back the entirety of the game. He actually didn't come up into the midfield or on the wing. The wings were pretty much settled between Hendo and Smith until we lost Brown, and then Hendo went back, but we left Smith up on the wing. So the, there were a few little ones like that that were kind of sad. Well, yeah, there was and a the couple, but the vast, as I saw, I saw the vast majority, there seemed to be a lot of rotation. Yeah, and that was really pleasing to see. I actually, um, actually, my dad pointed this out. We were watching partway through the, the second quarter and he's just gone, hang on, we've got a different forward set up. When we were going with the wind, we pretty much had the three tools on a lot of the time. Second quarter, we had the three tools at the very start and then it dropped off and we just had two. So we rotated to always only having two. And when third quarter, back to the three tools. Fourth quarter, back to only two tools. So there was a different balance in our forward line depending on whether we were going with the wind or without the wind. And the midfield setup just seemed to be different each time I saw a a centre bounce. There was always different players rotating through there. Yeah, that was really good to see, especially Eddie quite like him coming off of the back of the square. I think we've got a goal of the year contender as well with Sloan coming off the back of the um, centre square. Sloan one or what about Dangers? Yeah, I've forgotten about Danger already. He's going to Geelong. <laughs> year of little faith. Is that a bit of a Port Adelaide thing, that coming off the back of the square? I, I noticed that they, they do it quite a bit and um, had great success with it. It just seems to me that's a little bit of a Port tactic that, brought, that he's brought over, I reckon. It could be. We, we saw it a bit in the pre-season. Um, that they were doing it a number of times, that it was mostly Eddie, Sloan and Douglas I noticed in the preseason, and that was kind of the ones that we settled on as well during the game. Yeah, Port were doing it quite a bit last year, and uh, I remember them saying that in that last quarter of the prelim final, there was about two or three guys that were set up on the back of the square before their, the last couple of clearances in that last quarter, and uh, they just steamrolled through. So what did everybody think of Captain Tex's first game? First official game. Or later. He certainly had presence. They were terrible. Oh, I think they're okay. I think they'll come back. Uh, you know, round one last year, they got absolutely smashed by Essendon, and uh, the world was going to fall in on them at that point. And um, they came back and played in the prelim final. So I, I think they'll hit back. I think that they'll be better. I think they're a better side than what they showed on Sunday. And I'm hoping that uh, they'll uh, get themselves back in order for uh, two weeks' time when they play Port. Yeah, so just to prove that 
if you have one or two players switched off or not fully switched on, how much it affects the whole team. Yeah, they were very, very disorganised outfit. They, I was really, really surprised at the way they uh, they approached that game. There just seemed to be uh, no organisation and, um, yeah, they just seemed to be bereft of any kind of intensity um, or pressure and, uh, yeah, very, very surprised. But I, I really do think they'll hit back. Yeah, they were trying to isolate their smalls um, and get us out the back, which they did a couple of times with Higgins. Um, but their, their tools just didn't present. Uh, Petrie didn't present all game. Um, Wait was playing so wide that he wasn't really a valid um, target most of the time. Um, it was very difficult to understand what they were trying to achieve. It was as if they left uh, Wait and Petrie at Arden Street. See, I think that the part of their run-on that they got was when we lost Brown, when he had to go off in the corky because he had been absolutely blanketing Thomas, though. And as soon as we lost him, that, that upset our balance a little bit. It took us a while to adjust and figure out who was sort of moving on to who. And I think that's when Thomas actually got off the leash and got his two goals. So I think he's very underrated as a defender. Oh, yeah. It was noticeable. I um, I made a couple of notes, and one of the things that I noted was that uh, Matty Yench is very good at holding structure. He's very good for our structure when he's allowed to play that backstop role. But as soon as he's required to um, man up and defend, he's very... Um, he doesn't cut it as a as a one on one defender, and um, certainly when Brown went off and we had to mix and match down the back there, and Yenchi needed to be a bit more accountable, uh, it was a problem for him. Yeah, he was a bit lost. The other thing, out of in terms of our defence, did you notice we did not have one kick out that was off to the right to Jacobs? Right, that's right. They were all different, all different mixes, um, all different ways of trying to bring the ball out. Some were short, some to the left. Some, some, yes, they did go sort of out right a little bit, but often we would do the little chip first before we did that one. And Jacobs might have been out there, but Hardigan was the one who was positioned in front. Yeah, they used Hardigan quite a bit. I was going to mention that. Um, Hardigan really did push up um, with our kickouts, and when we did go long, um, it was more often than not him that was making the contest. Yeah, he'd come in from the side, so he'd get that his big body in the way. He was watching at the ground. He's actually taller than weight. Yeah, he's a big boy. And he's very quick. That, um, I think, was at the last quarter where the ball was loose in the forward line. And weight, weight we know, is quite quick. And Higgins was chasing after the ball as well. And Hardigan ran past both of them. I think the thing that pleased me the most is when they got that run on in the third um, you would expect, and, and even the commentators were calling for, you know, danger and all that to get chucked in the middle and whatnot. It was Eddie Betts coming off halfback that really steadied us. There were two or three plays that he made in the space of about five minutes, um, a couple of key tackles um, and an interception, if I remember rightly, that really got us back in the game. And I was surprised to see the coaches' votes that had bets rated only as a three or something because I actually I would have actually had him second best um, behind Tex and not that far behind him either. I think he was really key for us. I think that 500000 or whatever we picked him up for is a bargain. Yeah, I agree. Phoenix, I loved a couple of the runs that uh, see, uh, 
Curley, uh, Alice Yolman made through the middle as well and just did dispose of the ball. Absolutely beautiful to Walker. I think it happened about three times. And five. Five, five times? We, we, we counted them. It was five oh, times. He did beautiful passes to Tex. Well, There's two more than I saw, but anyway, I, he, he looked absolutely terrific doing it and good on him. And um, I don't know which idiot was on the board that kept bagging him about his disposal. Peter somebody, I think his name was, and <laughs> kept, kept bagging him all the time about his disposal. He must have been yep. pissed. Yeah, I think he must have been. Some Is rubbish. your name Brenton Sanderson? <laughs> He's a rubbish poster on the board that doesn't know very much. And um, he uh, his kicking has just improved out of sight. And just the way that he strolled through a couple of times and hit uh, Walker was absolutely magnificent. He has time, and it's interesting because he's starting to realise that he has time. There's a couple of times that he went to um, take the first option and then he steadied himself and realised that he had a moment, and a couple of those times was when he hit Tex, you know, lace out. And it's good to see him gain a little bit of composure, and given that he apparently had gastro, um, which probably slowed him down a yard, um, I thought it was a pretty good, a pretty good day out for him. Yeah, I didn't know he had gastro. That was that was uh, that makes it some really information that interesting information that came across today that uh, certainly made it better as well. I also thought a, another really interesting thing I saw on the board today was one of the posters uh, posted a series of photographs showing Dangerfield and how he um, was prepared to let somebody else go in and get the ball and break out to give outside run, and that just follows on from what I think we were saying earlier uh, from the pre-season games, how they're trying to get him running a little bit more and getting some other guys involved in the clearance work. That was out of town crow. It was a really good sequence, wasn't it? It was. It was great because you actually had broken it down with the screen caps that you could see he pointed out when Paddy thought he had to go and get the ball himself, but then he realised that Douglas was in the better option and immediately backed off and then legged it forward to create that space, which, of course, um, Douglas then passed to him. Yeah, it was a terrific example of what they, I think they're trying to do, and that's to get danger released into that more outside uh, run because and run roll because, you know, we complained all last year about, you know, this outside run that apparently we didn't have, and yet, you know, clearly one of the fastest players in the league and one of the you know really best players breaking on the outside, and he just wasn't being used that way last year. The other person I'd like to single out is um, little Laddy. Oh, he was brilliant, Nikki. Absolutely brilliant. Scott actually, um, I think it was in the was it late in the third quarter. Um, they tried to get him away from Harvey, um, so they were moving Harvey all around, and they actually put another plate. So they were effectively tagging Laird. Just another little devil's advocate on Lairdy, and I agree, he had a great game. He's very good one-on-one. He's like the anti-Yench. He's very good one-on-one. <laughs> anti-Yench. Does that mean he's quiet and not so cheeky? <laughs> yeah. You're surprised sometimes how, like, you think he's completely out of a marking contest, but he still manages to make a spoil. He must have an incredible spring in his legs. Yeah, he's got a really good leap on him. He's great one-on-one, but a couple of times in the first quarter, if you have a look, those two times that they got out over the back, Lairdy was the last man in the queue, basically, and he didn't really run hard enough to cover. Now, whether he was buggered or not, I don't know, Um, but there were a couple of times I felt that he could make better effort to get into the structure, which is why I sort of said he was the anti-inch. Whether that was just me being picky or something, but I did notice it a couple of times. 
The other thing I noticed was the media were all talking about, about this, how this was the, the full press that we were doing. It wasn't because watching that game live and comparing it to watching the NAB Cup game live against Port, where that was a real manic, full-on press, this was actually a vastly different game to me. It was more man-on-man than anything else, whereas the one against Port, there was a bit more of manning up of spaces. So I actually think that while she had been foxing a little bit in the preseason, as I thought he might have been, that he was just testing some things out there and doing some stuff, going, yeah, this is what roughly we're going to play. But then he really started to unleash it differently this week. I was uh, looking at that whole, what they were calling forward press as well, and it wasn't a forward press. We're playing a 15-man rolling press. We're playing we're playing um, three out and 15 in, basically, uh, and it's either three out defensively or three out in attack. Um, but it is very much a rolling press, similar to the Hawthorne style and the Frio style to a degree. Yeah, a little bit like that, but it, it, was, it wasn't, yeah, it really was a different sort of press than what I saw them doing at the NAB game. So it was kind of interesting that we not just got this one style, which is what a lot of the media has picked up on this week. Oh, you know, you get in trouble with this. Going, no, I think there's a few more tweaks that Walsh's kind of got to, to play around with. I think he has a lot more up his sleeve. He's got, I think he's got a, a plan for everything. He's got, he's just ahead of his, he just knows what he wants to do in certain situations, I think, which Sando didn't know what to do. He was just so calm in the box every time they showed him. He was just kind of sitting back going, yeah, okay. I don't think we can use this game as a as a barometer. I th- Kangaroo's pressure was very poor apart from that um, little 15 minutes and even that 15 minutes, they just had the run, run of the play more than... And the ball bouncing the right way. Yeah, to a, to a degree. Things went their way for a little while. What concerns me is that um, when when Tex dries up, when he gets when he gets manned up by a decent defender and a, and a more organised um, forward line, I counted, even in the game um, on the weekend, I counted we kicked to a two-on-one into our forward lines at least ten times during the game. And I've, I, I just think that if we, we didn't really, we weren't made to pay for that tactic. Um, our, our best success was when we hit up at about 40 metres out. That's when we tended to score. Um, but they did get us a couple of times on the rebound and a more organised um, team could get us out over the back far more often if we continue to bomb into two-on-ones. Yeah, and that was something that Eddie Eddie actually said in an interview tonight that they're they're aware of it. Um, and while she has apparently said that they're going to be working on a drill this week regarding um, that little run on and things like that. I think Phoenix, you're right to an extent in that we can't use the game as a barometer for how we're going to finish the season, but we can we can look at parts of the ground, and I think defensively we we shocked the um, the the Roos, and I think that's something we wouldn't have done last year. That's very true. I mean, the pressure really got to them, I think. I think they were expecting, um, you know, last year's Crows, which was fairly, uh, well, a zoning um, style, which allows them space. 
And the little amount of information we did get out of the club over the off-season was that they were going to be working on defensive pressure. So I think that, that's a real positive we can take from it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There's certainly positives. Um, but I think the... Oh, I, I can't wait to see our game plan stack up against a team who's switched on and organised. Well, I think the, real, the first real test is going to be, what, round five till we play the showdown? I think before that, we've, we've got teams that are not really expected to be contenders this year. Yeah, showdown's going to be a very interesting game. Yeah, I I think against the Ports and the Frios and the um, and the Hawks, those team and Sydney to a degree, those teams that make you more accountable and make you um, really work for possession. I think it's going to test our ability to run both ways because I don't think we were tested terribly much by North Melbourne. Do we have Geelong at Geelong this year? I, I don't remember. think so because we've got a mid midway through the year here. But I don't. I think that's the only one. Uh, I, you know, everyone, everyone always makes a fool of themselves saying this, but I think this is the year that Geelong's going to fall off. But even at home, they're going to be a tough game. I think we we nearly had them in the the preseason game, apart from some absolutely shocking kicking and that first quarter. We pretty much dominated them after that. So I think that was actually one of our best chances to get a win down there. I think you know it was a great first up hit hit out, but. Um... You know, as Gary Lyon said about 6,000 times, it's a small sample size at this stage. Alright, so tonight we've got something a little bit different. Um, some of you know already I've got a bit of a, a relationship with the podcasters over on the Collingwood board. So what we've decided to do is actually hook up with them and, and hopefully it doesn't turn out to be too much of a mess. But we're going to try and, and link the two podcasts for the preview to get a bit of a, a, an idea for where the other camps sit and, and what they're going to be um, looking for out of the game. Well, um, now we'd like to introduce us a really good segment to our podcast this week because we've got some visitors from the Adelaide um, board. Uh, we've got Specious Argument, Hello. Vicky New, so we're going to do a little combo uh, assessment of the game. So thanks a lot, guys and girls. Welcome aboard. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, you, your, your team was uh, pretty spectacularly impressive on the weekend. Must be approaching this trip to Melbourne with a, a fair degree of confidence. Uh, what's the general feeling in the Adelaide board? We had a nice long cold shower after last week, so it's only round one. As uh, Gaza says, just a very small sample size. So, um, yeah, we're quietly confident maybe. Yeah, I'd like to think that we're a 10-goal better side than North, but I think they started very poorly and I think they aren't as bad a side as showed up on the weekend. I also think what we're most of us on the board are looking for is consistency because that's not what we had last year. We we were up and then we dropped games we shouldn't have. So I think a lot of us are looking forward to this game just to see what consistency we're going to get out of the team. From from looking on the outside, um, if I was an Adelaide supporter, the the two things that um, stood out to I guess to the rest of us and worries us the most are, are two blokes named. Uh, Taylor and Dangerfield. That must have set you going. That was acceptable. <laughs> Understatement of the century. Mm. <laughs> um, 
So looking forward to what what do you see as your strengths coming in this week and where do you, where do you think you can beat us? Well, I think midfield rotations we're building a fairly fairly solid uh, engine room coming off uh, Jacobs out of the ruck. I think you know we'll do quite well there. And we've, we're also mixing it up with bringing Andy Betts actually into the midfield. So he sometimes starts off the back of the square, sometimes he starts actually in the midfield rotation. That's got to scare a lot of other teams with a player of his calibre and quality just running through the midfield and then legging it forward. Uh, PT Pie, what about from our end of things? How, where are we going to uh, threaten the Crows this week? North Melbourne were very poor with the pressure they applied to to the ball carrier, and and I, I can't see Melbourne. They weren't there uh, as far as pressure was concerned, and it'll be a whole different level. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Crows back it up because they were super impressive at the contested ball and applying pressure. But in that one period during the third quarter against North Melbourne, when they actually played, I think there was about four clearances where uh, the Crows didn't even get a touch on the ball came straight down to all the pressure applied and the clear tap out, bang, away they went. They lost the contested ball. And, and it was only one quarter and it was almost unsustainable for North Melbourne. But if that happened, you know, at any other time during the game, it would have been a 40-point closer game, you know, and perhaps completely different outcome. So I don't think the Pies will let them get away with it. And I would be um, very surprised if Adelaide be able to get the run on and keep that wave of momentum that they did against North Melbourne. Yeah, I think I think you're right. From our point of view, we were very happy to see our sort of manic uh, work that we did defensively against Brisbane, and, and albeit in tough conditions. So we hope we haven't lost too much of that coming forward this week. But I, I, I hope we we curb some of the brilliance of the Adelaide team this week. Um, to you, Adelaide uh, guys and girls, did you see anything of Collingwood and? Uh, where do you think uh, the danger lies with uh, the Pies? I saw it a little bit, but unfortunately it was up against that West Coast Western Bulldogs game, so I tended to be a little bit more watching that one. I'm just um, a little curious as to what you guys think that the heat um, in Brisbane, whether that will affect, will affect your team at all because of that six-day turnaround. Uh, we, yeah, absolutely. We, that, that's a concern. Um, I think Trav Cloak uh, apparently lost five kilos game so uh, definitely energy sapping game so it, I mean our, our sports scientist guys will have been working overtime for the recovery this week how much first game of the season how they recover it's going to be it's going to be one of the question marks in the game the magic glove will solve all our issues it was interesting watching <laughs> yeah, Essendon and it was really interesting watching Essendon from where I'm sitting anyway, seeing what a, a preseason actually does for players and seeing you know how tired they got and, and you know what those games actually get you. Definitely, definitely. It's a, and it's a very valid point because a lot of people uh, underestimate it. It was even even more um, apparent when you watched um, the great G. Ablett and uh, he, the effect it had on him. He, Yes, he was coming back from an injury, and I can understand a, a slight hesitation even from one as great as him. Um, it was it was something special to see him drop balls uh, that, that he would have taken, you know, 99,999 times out of a million. He just mm-hmm. dropped them cold. It was, um, yeah, different. Speaking yeah, of injuries. Sorry, go on, Nikki. Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah, he just didn't have that touch, which is what you kind of need. 
I was going to say, speaking of injuries, are you guys looking at going in with a, a near full strength side? Uh, we've got it. We're, we've lost still side bottom, who was probably our best on the weekend, with broken his thumb. Uh, we've got a few of the longer term injuries, so we're, we're not at full strength, but we're not terrible. Uh, we've got a, a couple of our young South. We've got you know we've loaded up on South Australians the last few years, so we've got Tim Broomhead coming back in, who's we're all pretty excited about, but he hasn't had a great preseason, but we hopefully he can put that behind him because he does look a a, a real player of the future potentially. And Brody Grundy also stood up on the weekend and did a great job. So, I mean, it's a big ask for him to come against Jacobs this week, but um, he's he's developing. Who did um, Ben Kennedy shoot to not get selected? He played on the VFL on the weekend, but uh, I think he's hurt his knee, so he's not named at all this week. That's correct. Oh, that's, that's, that's the room I've heard. To... What was that? He took a bit of a knock. Yeah, he's, I mean, he and Broomhead are both uh, both players we we want to see come on, but um, it'll be Broomy this week that uh, probably kicks half a dozen. From afar, it's always surprised me uh, how difficult Ben's found it to get into your team. Yeah, uh, look, a lot of us feel the same way because he 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 sparkles at times, and um, he's been the sub a lot of the time. Um, He's had problems with his calves or he's had this compartment syndrome and had trouble running out games and had surgery last year. But we're certainly looking to him to step up this year. We don't want to make him homesick or anything. I certainly don't we want to give back. We could do that Dangerfield Kennedy swap, though. <laughs> certainly don't want to give uh, back no. our stars, <laughs> our future stars, that's for sure. The, uh... No, we, we like we like that little Dangerfield. He, he can stay around for a little bit longer. He seems to have some, you know... Something about him, just you know, we think there's something there to go go forward with. You think he's staying? I think he is, but um, I'm a satellite late supporter at heart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, personally, no, it's, I'm. It's hard to tell. Yeah, personally, I, I, I in the off season, I felt very strongly that he was staying. Uh, I've drifted a little bit towards going, but I'm I'm probably about fifty fifty now. I really don't know. Can I just ask for a second there? If Dangerfield goes. That James Ash is holding off contract talks. Is James Ash coming to Adelaide? He can come to Adelaide even if Dangerfield stays. Well, can you fit him in there in that squad with that talent? <laughs> just sliding Rory Sloan. Just sliding Rory Sloan. Can you fit Ash yeah, in Sl- on top Sloan of Dangerfield? Out on the wing. On top of- yeah. Salary cap wise, not position wise. We've we've got. Um, I think a lot of clubs actually are aware that Adelaide has been banking money. We have quite a um, a nice little pot of cash. We had uh, a lot of money set aside for Tippett. I think we were looking at paying him $900,000 a year and we didn't really sign anyone to replace him. We lost a couple of players around the same time and we and we signed bets for 500. So I think we've we've front loaded a lot of contracts. So I do think we do have the war chest to go after pretty much anyone. Or is the, or is the other the strategy is... to give uh, Danger the big offer, isn't it? I guess that's your first priority. No, we're actually a little bit like um, Hawthorne and Collingwood, um, not um, Geelong, in that paying unders. We've kind of traditionally done that. That kind of started with Neil Craig. Uh, the rumours doing the round here is that no matter what anybody offers Dangerfield, we've got enough in the pot that we're just going to match it. Um, so I think if that happens, um, that basically means that because he's a restricted free agent, 
that gives us a slightly sort of better um, trading or option. The first, uh, no one's matched an offer yet, though, for a restricted free agent, and they've stayed, have they? I don't think. Yeah, don't know. I'm uh, I'm interested to see you know, when the first one is going to happen. I think if if a manager lets a player get to that point, I think they haven't done their job. Yeah, it also comes down to the fact that if if he's willing to put himself out on the market to tacitly accept deal, no, no, matter, no matter how good he is, is he worth it if his heart and soul's not in it? We had that bit with Beams this year when he said even he was still under contract, but when he said he was going to go. Yeah, I think you, you can't have a player playing handcuffs, but, um, yeah, it, and the other thing is, is Dangerfield worth north of a million? Like, I, I don't, personally, I don't know that he is. I think he had a couple of bad seasons in a row. I think the reason he's not signing is because of that. I think it's devalued him a touch. I think he's trying to have a good season this year to, to bank the maximum dollars. Yeah. Can he also continue at the rate that he's going? Um, he is such an explosive player, but I've seen him play quite a few games, been more than impressed, and then I watch him go in for a hard ball and he comes out of it wincing and he gets back up. He's mentally tough, a lot like Luke Hodge, I would say. The wear and tear he puts on his body, like I don't know if he's going to have the durability if he continues to play the way he does. The way he does. There's actually been a big change we've seen in his game plan if you watched the game last weekend. Um there was uh, Out of Town Crow on our board actually did a little screen cap of one of the clearances and from it, ball comes loose out of the centre. If Dangerfield leans down to go and get that hard ball, but Douglas is coming in at a, at a better option, Dangerfield actually backs out, which is very unusual for him, but then he goes forward to become that linking player who's then free. So he's actually changed his game. He's becoming a bit more of an outside player, and we saw that quite a bit on the weekend. Well, we'll wait and watch. Now, the other thing I was interested to hear from you guys is, uh, I mean, Adelaide Oval now is becoming a bit of a fortress. Um, how much difference does the trip across to Eddie had? We'd love to have you on the G, really, because we love that. Eddie had that detract from what the Crows can do. No, we've play, we traditionally played fairly well at Eddie Hat, so it doesn't hold any fears for us. And I think there's be um, any chance we can actually get to play on the G. We want to, because we don't um, play on there very often at all. And just to get the players used to it, because it's a it's a different shape than Adelaide. I think Eddie Hat's a um, a little bit more like Adelaide. It is that little bit narrower, so it suits our style of play. I guess the other thing is that hometown. That, I mean, uh, just. I haven't been there yet and I want to go, but just listening to the, the noise off the TV is impressive of that of Adelaide Oval. Yeah, it's, des- it's designed – it is designed to keep that sound mm. in. Uh, it's also – I think um, uh, I read the uh, other day that Collingwood and Adelaide are 3-3 three, three at Etihad. Yeah. yeah no, I guess, real, no real I advantage to either team. I guess it's the, whether, whether you think you're a lot – how much does Adelaide Oval give to the team, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Well, we know there's an awful lot of our Crow supporters coming over for the weekend, so please treat them nicely. Um, so, And we've, we actually do have quite a large base that lives in Melbourne, so there is always, I know I've gone over for games, and there's sometimes probably about a third of the crowd sometimes, you've depending on who you're playing, is, is actually Adelaide supporters, so there's a fair bit of noise that's still generated. Right, and so what's, uh, what's your predictions? Can we pin you down to something? 
I think we can win. I'm not too sure, though, about the margin for me um, because I'm still waiting to see whether there's that consistency or not. Um, I think if we can get on top in the midfield, then I reckon it could be a four- to five-goal game. I, uh, I think um, it'll take your to um, really have a special game to for you guys to get close to us. I think we're going to do you by 10 goals plus. I certainly, hope that's, I certainly hope that's not me. So I'd say that's a with the effort intensity shown last week. That's if we fail, if we if we can't sustain that manic pressure and intensity, then definitely it's possible. I, I would, I doubt it's going to happen though. I think I think it, I think it might be. A, I think it'd be a. It's I think Adelaide will rightly into favourites, but um, it's a hard game for me to call. I mean, I'm not. Not uh, going there expecting a win, but I won't be surprised if we can knock you off. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of right. This probably might be the match of the round, and that's what most of the pundits seem to be talking about. You know, Collingwood, can they back it up? Can Adelaide sustain that pressure again? I think most of the interest from the neutrals is going to be on this game. I, yeah, I totally agree. It's uh, They're both teams that you would hate to face on their best day. And specious, uh, both you know, big big matchups in in all those departments. You know, Talia Talia on cloak. I think uh, Frost will probably play on uh, Tex Walker, mm. um, and those two matchups are critical to whichever team's going to win. Who will play on Dangerfield? I don't think anyone will. Jack Chris maybe could run with him. Jack Chris maybe. Can Chris go forward? Oh, I mean, actually, be a defender because we're playing him um, up forward quite a bit. He's only too. played one game, but he he played a bit off the half back line for Brisbane last year. So, he's oh, yeah, Danger goes deep. Danger plays out of full forward. So, and with that speed coming straight at the ball, that's a little scary proposition. I think probably the scarier proposition is your midfield getting on top, giving him the service that he got. Um, I, I would be. If it's me looking on the game, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about Sloan and Douglas getting those good, early, clean possessions right from the guts. That's that's too scary to contemplate. And then having uh, Rory Laird or Brody Smith getting the dish off and absolutely pumping that thing in with a laser-like pass. Yeah, Cam Ellis Yolman, um, who played his pretty much his first game um, last year. And what most people don't realise, he's actually taller than Dangerfield. Um, he did five beautiful little passes, like bullet passes to Tex on his chest. He actually played last week when he had gastro. So if he's actually well this week, we're kind of looking forward to see what he yeah, actually does. Well, overconfident. We've got a couple we've got a couple of blokes named a couple of blokes named Pendlebury and Swan who are building into the season nicely too. So not weight traffic in the middle. Nice. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah. I think it's it, into that first possession and who can get on the outside the cleanest. Your guys can deliver it. Yeah, I reckon Your that's guys can deliver it. And we've got a couple of blokes. Well, our delivery will, no, I don't think it'll ever match what Adelaide can provide, but our, the, the, just the basic intensity that Collingwood can lock the ball in. Our, our big fear is our defence. We've got Talia, who's exceptional. But we've got Hardigan, who's going to make mistakes. He's still only learning. He's, I think, um, 20 games or something he's only ever played. Um, so 
he, with him being a, a second key defender and then our younger ones. What When North got the run on last week, that's when we lost Brown and we had to rejig. Um, he's apparently come up from the Corky and, and will play. So that's going to be interesting to me as well as to whether that defence can really hold together because you might be able to exploit us there because we're still a little unsure as to how they work well together, um, particularly under Kyle pressure. Chaney. We've got an evolving forward line too coming because, we, I mean, Cloak, Cloak, we're expecting a bigger season from. Jesse White, we're hoping, and Elliot and Fasolo, Broomhead. Now, we've got a couple of players down there with a bit of class, so... You know they could get off the uh, off the uh, leash a little yeah. bit. I've I've really enjoyed watching Jamie Elliott play. That that leap he's got on him is kind of special. In the what? It's um, he'd give Chad Wingard a run for his money for some of those big jumps. Mm. And specious. And he's not as much as a tool as Wingard. <laughs> Uh, specious. The other thing on our board that, of course, we're very interested in is the uh, happiness of one little girl. Yeah, I've been having a bit of audio troubles. I hope you can hear me now. Um, yes, I can. Excellent. Um, so Haley's the name that we're going with, uh, so I'll stick with that. Um, we've got tickets coming. I think the Club's Express posting them, so they should be here tomorrow. But, I mean, either way, we'll be at the game. Uh, first AFL game with me, I think, first game ever. So we'll be there in the brand-new pies jumper that she's got and i'll be wearing my red yellow and blue so if you see us out there say hello and try not to hate me too much great to see mate great to see him. we're, we're all board. we're all hoping she goes home very happy i'll, I'll, I'll definitely be putting some pictures up but um you know if, if we win try not to flame me too much i have to say from the adelaide but just seeing what you guys did um absolute kudos to your board that was just fabulous the way you were pulled together and i think that's why most of us are on forums like big footy just doing this tonight the same thing it's nice to uh nice to uh, spread a bit of the love before a bit of the rivalry <laughs> it is it's, these are the things that make the footy worthwhile mm. yeah oh, well, and truly. well i think we've lost species but um Phoenix and Nikki Nu, thank you very much for your chat tonight. We wish you all the best, but we hope you're not smiling on uh, after the game. Um, probably reverse ditto <laughs> okay. from us. Yeah, our pleasure. Right? Thanks, 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 guys. Nice good to fun. meet you all. Okay. Thanks, good guys. luck on the weekend. Yeah, good luck. See ya. That went, I guess, about as well as could be expected. Um, now what we're going to do is is have a bit more of a cross-centric discussion, talk about what, what we want to see out of the game and what we're looking forward to. So... Guys, what do you think is going to come this weekend? Ladies first. <laughs> Haven't I done enough talking already? No, for me it's it's really the defence and seeing because from what they were just saying there, they're hoping there's going to be a bit more pressure. I'm hoping there's actually a bit more pressure on our players just to see how our defence holds up. Yeah, I, they're, we're not, um, they're not a terribly difficult matchup, I don't think. Talia's always done well on cloak. I think Hardigan can cover Jesse White fairly comfortably if that's the way they match up, which I think they will. And our small defenders and our mid-sized defenders, um, I think, are more than capable of covering them. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be the test defensively than uh, that that we're hoping for this week. I think of the of the areas of the ground that we're at risk. I think defensively is is where we're weakest. Um, I mean, Collingwood isn't known for their amazing attack, but certainly there might be something there to stretch us. 
And their, their midfielders do tend to get down and run and create a lot of goal opportunities for themselves that way. So it means it's got to be that, that full-on switch of defence from our midfield to our back line. That, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Penelbury and Swan do tend to get forward. Um, so our guys are going to have to be on their medal uh, defensively. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Collingwood um, attempt to get through our press in a similar manner to North or whether they try to kick over it. Um, I'd suggest they they don't have the running power that North do to actually try and get through it. Yeah, I'm also looking to see if we're going to stick with um, the Smith and Henderson pretty much solely on the wings again. I thought they, for the first half of the game, until we had to, until, as I said, Brown went off and we had to move Henderson back, that they actually looked quite potent. So I'm looking to see if that structure still remains from last week to this week. Last year as well, uh, Dangerfield, three votes in both games against Collingwood. So we'll see if we can uh, back that up again. That would be very nice. They don't really have a tagging option, do they? No. I mean, they talk about Chris, but um, as I said earlier, when Dangerfield goes forward, that's that's a, a real problem for them. Um, I mean... Who does Lady take? Because we know he matched up really well on Harvey. Is there somebody that he's going to be the cooler this week on? Because I don't. If he doesn't match up on Pendlebury. He's not the right one for there. But Swan could be an interesting one for him. Yeah, I don't know. I look. I think we'll certainly make them chase us. I think. I don't think we'll be too worried about matchups. Yeah, I don't think this this week we'll need to worry too much about tagging. I think you know if we work on our structure, keep the defensive pressure on. I think the game plan should take care of itself. Well, hopefully, what we've seen of it so far. Yeah, and I I think their defence is um, very vulnerable to our forwards and that, that mix we've got going down there. Look, with with Jenkins firing, with Lynch in the team, obviously with Walker becoming a monster, Pods Yardley as an option to bring in. I think you know, the, offensively we're we're actually looking pretty good. Uh, if Pods is going to be brought in, he's going to be brought in as defender. That that's been pretty clear from the club that that's um, his role is in defence this year. So if anywhere if he is coming in, he's going to be replacing one of our defenders down back. Yeah. So I think Ramsey. If down the track, if we've got some issues with some forwards, Ramsey's probably the one. Yeah, I, th- I think Ramsey's going to be very key for us going forward. Uh, he's quite versatile. And watching him in the SNFL on the weekend, he's, he's seriously, he just looks like Tex. And even his voice out on the ground, he sounds like him too. It's really scary. Speaking of Jenkins, 50th game this week. Yeah, um, I was quite impressed with that little highlights package they had of him. We know Phoenix has some issues with him, don't you? Uh, he's not my favourite player. Phoenix has some issues understanding how great Jenkins is. <laughs> oh, look, the, the, I think the mix that he provides, he's he's a hard matchup because he is quite fast, he's tall, he's mobile. Um, and then we've got Walker, who's quite tall as well. So it's really great to have that option down in the forward lines to make it hard for the opposition. To, I mean, to be fair, I've, I've been a bit critical of Jenkins as well. I, I'm on the fence about him. I think he has outperformed what we recruited him for, but I think he hasn't even approached his potential, uh, you know, where he can get with his talent. So I don't know if that comes from the basketball background, not having the instincts. He doesn't 
he doesn't use his body the way I'd like him to. But then again, that kind of backfired with um, McKernan when he came out with the elbow. So I don't know. He seems to have a bit more of a brain in his head than McKernan did. Um, and he did some nice little blocks and things like that on the weekend. So there were there were some changes in his game that I saw. Are you trying to convince me? No, just saying what I observed. Um, so what do we think about Walsh's um, little theory regarding the person who played in the sub? That So Lyons is out of the team this week because they couldn't find anybody in the team that he was going to replace that he dropped. So Walsh's thing is that he looks first to see if there's somebody he can replace in the team and push out. If not, then he drops them back to the SNFL to have a game. So my impression is that Griggs coming in to be the sub. I, I think that's a good idea uh, in, in general because you know, if you've got players who are only playing a quarter each weekend for five weeks in a row, how are they going to break in the side? How are they going to get that match fitness? And Grig only played a half last week in the SNFL, so um, depending on how he goes, he might he probably find himself dropped back into the um, SNFL the week following. But I, I, I quite like that, that they're rotating it through and, it, and it's putting pressure on everybody. Everybody knows that you have to perform otherwise while she's going to replace you with the person in the sub vest who came on and actually did what they were supposed to do. Now, I didn't want to bring this up in front of the Collingwood guys, but is anyone else kind of relieved that Cybom's out of the team? Very. Uh, yeah, he he was really their only chance, I think, of um, of them applying any pressure to us in the midfield. I, I just don't think they have the depth through the midfield without him. Yeah, he's got a really good grunt side to his game as well as having all that that really nice outside sort of run and talent. Yeah, he's a good gut runner. He gets to a lot of contests. Yeah, and, and quite willing to go and get that hard ball himself if um, he if he has to. But um, yes, yeah, so I'm I'm quite pleased that he's out. I'm not pleased to see that he's injured, but yeah, quite pleased to see that he's out. Yeah, look, I'm not too worried about this game. To be frank, I think Eddie had suits us. I think we match up extremely well and stretch Collingwood um, in pretty much most areas. And um, it would take a fair turnaround um, from last week for us to be challenged by them, I think. Yeah, I reckon their trip up to Brisbane's actually going to really pay um, for them in the end. If it's a close-ish game when it's going into the third to the last quarter, I think we could possibly run away with it because, yeah, that, that's got to have taken a lot out of them. And we we traditionally play quite well at Etihad as well, I think. Well, and given our our current style of play, um, that narrow ground suits us quite well. We can press up and block space pretty comfortably. And, um, yeah, I I can't see how we're going to get beaten, to be honest. I hate being this confident, but I really am. It's nice to be this confident for once. Isn't it just? I'm looking forward to seeing Eddie Betts kick another five. That'd be nice. That'd be good. And Carly not passed to him. Well, not all the time. And tips for this weekend? If we need them, um, I was thinking four to five goals, possibly our way. Ten plus for me. Very confident. Yeah, and I'm going about twenty-five points. Man of the match. I think it's Rory's week this week. Um, small ground, fast deck. I think he'll be all over it. Yeah, the gut running that that'll suit him. But you, you can't really go past danger with his form of three votes last time. Both times. I'm going for a smoky. I reckon Douglas is going to get up. I reckon you you just watch. Well, if all three of those are firing, 
look out. We can only hope. And welcome back, everybody. And of course, uh, coming up now is one of the segments that's been uh, becoming uh, fast becoming a favourite on the the, uh, the Crowcast. It's our uh, board talk, and very very special guest tonight. We've got Alex is on fire. G'day, Alex. How are you going? Not too bad. How are you? Very good, mate. Great to have you on board. And um, look, before we get into uh, any of the personal stuff, uh, noticed that you uh, went down to Richmond Oval the other day. Um, what were your thoughts of the uh, the SANFL trial match down there? Uh <clears throat> Pardon me. First three quarters were quite good. There was it was what I noticed this year was there was a lot more team orientated stuff going on with the twenty two players. Uh, this time last year it was um, basically lots of individual stuff went on, and there was no teamwork that happened. This year there was shepherding, there was a running from behind, there was tackling in numbers. There was the same sort of stuff that you would see in the um, AFL side, but so there was a unified attempt to follow a game plan that everyone understood. That was the main difference this year compared to last year. Um, the last five or six rounds last year, they were slowly getting there, but it was nowhere near as organised as the Saturday's game. It all sounds pretty positive, mate. Any um, individual players you want to run through for us? Um, well, the usual ones. Thompson was good for three quarters. I think he went off at three quarter time to rest. Matt, yeah, Matt Crouch did. was pretty good for the whole game. Um, Griggy was all right for, and went off at half time because there was some suspicion he may have played yesterday, but obviously he didn't. Um, the one player that really impressed me was O'Brien for a, was he 18 years old as a ruckman? He's massive. The the kid is like six foot five and maybe a hundred, hundred odd kilos. And, but he's in his presence on the field for a first year player is really amusing. That was the one player that really stood out for me. I wasn't that impressed with his ruck work, though. He actually wasn't – he didn't do as well at his ruck work as I thought he could have. Um, I, I was quite surprised, though, that one of his kicks actually did actually make it to somebody and it wasn't out of bounds on the full. So that was really nice to see, too. I wasn't, I wasn't overly concerned with the football fundamentals, the rucking, the kicking. It was the positioning and getting himself involved in the game, not standing back and being – and just waiting for something to happen. He actually got involved. He moved to a position where he could actually influence what was happening, become an active member of the of the transition. That was what really impressed me. And the fact that he's a first-year player able to do that demonstrated that he understood um, how he can get better and where he can get better, not just waiting for, for everybody else to get him the ball. I think he's uh, more value than uh, Angus Graham. With, uh, with... Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I liked Angus. I thought he had potential at, at that level. He was never going to be anything more than that. But uh, I think that was just a waste of time trying to recruit him. I don't think we had enough years to get the rich out of him. That's the problem. Uh, 
No, I don't think there's enough years in football for that to happen. And Alex, just um, on a personal front, how did you, or when did you become involved with uh, with Big Footy and how did you stumble across it? Well, I reckon I joined in 2010 and I reckon that was, I can't exactly remember the key point, but I remember that 2010, it was halfway through the season and if I recall correctly, that was a really bad year. Um, Neil Craig was getting lots of press for the wrong reasons. So I just Googled something looking for a forum or something because it's to, to voice my opinion, as you know, I like to do, and came across Big Footy that way and signed up. So, all right. So, we'll pick, sorry, Phoenix, we'll pick it up. Uh, thanks for that, Alex. And, um, one of the things I was keen to ask you about tonight, Alex, is, is that one of the more, I guess, controversial positions you like to take on the board is just in relation to the Tippett saga. And I know you've had a lot of discussions and I, and I, I watch them with interest. Um, just uh, talk us through how, how you felt about that because it was, I just found it interesting because it was a, it was a, it was a contrary position, position to almost, you know, much that everyone else took. Yeah, one of my, well, I like, I like to... <clears throat> stick to my key values in life. And one of one or two of the key values I have is integrity and honesty. And I honestly don't believe the club was honest with its members. And that's where I come from. I have no issue with players going and coming because that's going to happen. That's happened since football's been around. Players have come and players have gone. And if you've been in footy, involved in footy clubs, you know that. Players are going to leave and players are going to come. So I don't have any issue with anyone leaving or anyone coming because that's going to happen. What I have an issue with is people telling the truth and being upfront and honest with the motives and the things that actually happen. And from day one, he said he doesn't want to be in this state. And that's fair enough. But for the club to then come out every week and tell us that, He's going to sign. He loves the club. He loves the state. It's just basically playing us as fools. Well, I don't know. So, the, sorry, uh, I don't know that the club necessarily came out and told us that he was going to sign. I think they they gave us kind of cautious optimism. Um, I, is it possible to find two parties at fault? Yeah, but at the same time, sorry, I don't. Oh, just the last question: Is it possible to find two parties at fault? Does it have to be one or the other? Well, actually, I believe that they do, and that's what comes back to my my posting. If if Stephen Trigger as the CEO just purely and simply did his role and just put a stamp on it or a stop on it and said, no, this is not going any further, we do not need to be involved in this. We do not need to go down this avenue. And they, and they said, look, stop. We're not going to be a party for this. And then, Kurt, if you want to leave, that's your where that's your prerogative. If you want to stay, we will negotiate, but we are not going to be involved in any of this third-party deal, illegal illegal dealings with your manager or anything like that. Then, then the club become void of any responsibility because it doesn't go any further. So, all right, take that's my. Let, let's take this take an, as an that, example. All right, that um, Trigg inherited a shit sandwich from the outgoing. I forget who it was exactly that, that penned the deal, but John, John Reed, Reed, right? So John Reed. So let's say he inherited this shit sandwich. He had to make the best out of it. Now, had we signed Tippett, no one would have ever known. We wouldn't have lost any draft picks. Would you have 
supported Triggs trying to trying to keep it under wraps in that instance to help the club, or do you still feel that once he found out about the illegal deal and knew we would get punished, that that the only course of action was to um, come clean immediately? Oh, absolutely, they had to come clean. They had to if what because ultimately, whether it's today, look at the Lance Armstrong situation. He was always he always knew that there was going to be developments that he would get found out. No, I don't I, I don't think that's correct. I think Lance's personality is such that what he thought he was doing was right and correct and and everybody else is wrong and it took an extraordinary amount for him to finally admit that he has done it and yeah, I I don't think you can use Lance Armstrong there. I I don't think that helps your argument. Well, I think actually the Lance Armstrong is is a fairly apt example because I think Tippett thinks that he was doing the right thing as well, or his manager. But, but at the end of the or his manager or his father. At the end of the day, that deal was going to get found his, out. His manager willingly broke AFL rules. He admitted on three AW that they snuck Sydney people in during the season to meet with Tippett and his dad at Tippett's house. Yeah, but that, the AFL has ignored that. But that's a different there's, issue. There's a bit of a double standard a going on issue. there. There's, no, there's, no that's, that comes back to the integrity. Well, and, 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 if, and, that, and I don't have an issue with that. Well, I, have, I do. But, but the fact is, if Trigg had said no, then that deal involving the Adelaide Football Club would have stopped. And then whatever Tippett well, wanted to do, the, the deal, the deal couldn't, be, the deal couldn't be enforced. That's the thing: is it was never actually ratified with the AFL. Therefore, it actually wasn't really a legal claim because all contracts have to be approved by the AFL. That wasn't approved by the AFL. No, I'm not saying it's to, to be approved. It wasn't. It didn't need to be approved because it didn't need to go any further than the actual discussion. As soon as that discussion started, well, they needed to stop. Put a stop to it. Instead of allowing, to- I think the club tried to do it. The, the club, the club actually was said, "Well, okay, yeah, there's this deal that you said things, but no, we've got this one, and you want to go home. You want to go home to Brisbane." Did he actually ever say that? We're trying to do something for did you there. Did he actually there. ever say that? His home was always. Yeah, he said his home was or the Gold he, Coast. He wanted or, to go home. He wanted to go or, back to the Gold or Coast. Or did he say that he was only ever a Gold Coast boy at he heart? He was a surfer boy at heart. He never actually said he wanted to go home. He never actually, no. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. He said he was a gold coast boy at heart. He said he in, wanted in to go home. In one of his videos, in one of his videos, he said, I'm, I'm a gold coast boy at heart and I always plan to go home one day. One day. And that, look, that you're right, that he's open to interpretation, but I think he, he did indicate that he wanted to head back up to, to Queensland. Yeah, he didn't say when, but he didn't put an end date on it. Look, the simple fact of the matter is that it's fairly clear that he was always leaving. He played the club for a full. His um, his old man and his manager played the club as fools. Um, Reedy got in over his head, acting as an old school recruiter. Uh, what he did was probably acceptable ten years ago, and unfortunately, Triggy didn't have the brains to undo what was a mess. I think that's that's a fair enough description of it. Well. So I mean, you can't really, you can't really. Well, I don't know what else you really want the club to have done. Not forgetting that we hadn't had a power forward since freaking John Klug for Christ's sakes, and simply. It was this uh, bloke called Modra? 
Yeah, I know. But you know what I mean. I mean, Tippett was a different beast. He yeah, was, was. A, a big big marking forward. Um, and we hadn't had one of those before. We hadn't had a functioning forward line for five years under Craig. <clears throat> so whilst it was inexcusable, it was still understandable. Well, uh, that, that was, that's always been a pretty controversial sub subject, so we'll probably best move along from that one. Um, what about uh, what were some of the other questions uh, we've asked some of the guys on here? I think, uh, uh, didn't we get on to um, some of the ignores? So, Alex, uh, are there many that you have on ignore? Oh, I have a few. I have a few. I have, I don't, let me just bring it up. Let me just go and find out. Who actually I have on it, you know, if I can find it, I can find it quickly. What I'd, Alex, what I'd like to know mm -hmm. is, is there anyone on the podcast that you don't have on Ignore? No, I have all of you. No, I have none of you on Ignore. We're not trying hard enough then. We feel special. I have people I who... I we weren't on, on Ignore. I have people who come across as a troll. Anyone who has a, a sign-up date longer than five years and less than 200 posts. They go on ignore straight away. So you'd have my mother on ignore. Oh, I don't know who your mother is. Nikki, I'd have your mother on ignore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she listens to this. Watch it. So uh, that's no mum jokes. No mum jokes. Damn it. No, well, that's that's my general feeling of anyone who comes across with a large um, or a small um, post count and a. A sign-up date longer than five or six years <clears throat> comes across, and they they go on ignore for me. So other than that, the latest one I put on would was Andrew Webber, Andrew Webster. Oh, you mean Richie? Yeah, yeah, because Webster. I just didn't want to put up with his um, trolling and rubbish and stuff like that. He wants the club. He wants the club to bring out. Oh no, what is it? He wants BLK to bring out some, you know, some nice office pants that he can wear to the office with crows. <laughs> Markings on it. Who, Ruchi or this Andrew yeah, Webster apparently. guy? I yeah, Andrew Webster. I haven't. I don't even know if he posts anymore because I just have had him on ignore for like three or four weeks. So I don't even read any of his stuff. He's been a bit quiet, Alex. Uh, what I usually do is I what I was doing and it seemed to work. I've been telling posters to ignore him and don't encourage the animal. But what I do is I talk about him like he's not there when he does best and it seemed to work too. Well, I haven't seen him, so I haven't read any of his stuff for a while, so it becomes irrelevant at the end of the day. Now, I have a question for you. How many of you guys have me on ignore? And missed the best part of the forum. No, that's <laughs> that's that's my question. You've asked me the question and I'm going to reverse it. I I go I free ball. I've got no one on ignore. We ask the questions here, Alex. No, but I I don't have you on ignore, and I'm the same as specious. I don't have I don't have anybody ignore. I I put it all out there and uh, and just sort of uh, sift through it myself. I put you on ignore, Alex, for about three days, but then I was missing out on too much, so I took you off again. I have a few people on ignore, but that's because I was over on the hot topic board, and there's a lot of them are Essendon posters. But let me let me ask you another question, um, Alex. More pertinent question: Who are the posters that you enjoy? Who are the posters that you oh. find yourself aligning to more often than not? Well, as I said on as a, in our discussion in our discussion on the forum, one of the posters I really do enjoy reading is Peter. His the, the comments that he comes up with are just they just seem to hit the spot or hit the spot that I seem to agree with 
most regularly. Maybe that has a lot to do with the fact that he doesn't bite back or argue with me. But what that that that's the um one of the one of the posters I really enjoy reading is Peter stuff. Um, funnily enough, Bats 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 held his um. Some of the stuff that he comes up with is really intriguing in a good way. So I really enjoy reading his stuff as well. And then you can go to the regulars like Macca 23 and Stiffy 18 and Kane McGoodwin and the, the regulars who have been around a long time. They're always interesting to read because they have credibility in what they say. That's So that's generally the area that I go with. But I don't have a whole lot of affinity with – Many of the new ones, maybe they just haven't. Maybe they just haven't um, built that credibility yet. You haven't. Yeah, you haven't got to know no, them fully yet. No, You've only seen some comments. No, that's right. So over time, it's it builds that credibility, builds that awareness of what they're actually saying to be true or not to be true. And you can probably kind of. Once somebody's been on the board for a while, you can get a feeling that when they're actually being sarcastic or when they're actually um, meaning something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and the, oh, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it takes time, doesn't it? You can't tell with me, Mickey. Tone's very. <laughs> no, I just know you're sarcastic the whole time. <laughs> Well, Alex, uh, thanks very much for those kind words. And, and uh, just to, to repay those kind words, I might throw it over to Phoenix now to uh, smash you with a bit of under the grill. All right, Alex. Um, before we get into the dirty half dozen, which I know that you're very much looking forward to, do you find yourself at times having to turn the computer off because it's just pissing you off too much mm. with regards to Bigfooty? Nah. It seems to me like it annoys the hell out of you sometimes. Oh, it does. But, but you also have to remember that there's interaction there and that becomes amusement. It becomes amusement at some of the things that people say. So it goes from anger and being annoyed to laughing and being amused at the responses very quickly. So you go from re- um, realising that this is not a real-life discussion to some people are just trying to push your buttons. So it becomes a laughing matter. That's what I'm doing this end half the time, is just laughing at some of the responses. And I also push the buttons to egg them on as well. So you're a troll? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Important. Well, I mean, if you're posting something for a particular response rather than just posting a view, then essentially you're trolling. Well, well, maybe I am. What I'd like to know is, do you live under a bridge? <laughs> no, I do not. Definitive then. All right. Let, let's let's get to the let's cut to the chase here, Alex. Um, dirty half dozen, mate. It's designed to reveal you in all your glory. So here we go. I probably already know the, the answer to this first question. Uh, danger, staying or going? Um. Gone. All right. Usually it's just short answers, but I'm going to expand on this one. You've got, you say that you've got a source. I'd like you to explain that to us. Well, my partner is a really good friend with a person that works with someone very close to Patrick. 
And the information I have been given is that they have already made a decision to go back to Geelong. Now, it does fluctuate, it does change, but it's becoming more and more aware that they've gone by the day. That's my information. And your Fam- partner wouldn't be trolling you? Beg your pardon? Your partner wouldn't be trolling you? Uh, no, 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 I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so. She she um, has passion for the football club just as much as I do. All right, let's move on. Um, if you had a duffel coat, mate, and you could put anyone on it, footballer or, or celebrity or whoever, who would it be and uh, why? It has to be Tex. Tex is the king of Adelaide now. No, isn't he the centre of the universe? Cool. Oh, isn't Adelaide the centre of the universe? Well, apparently last year. So Tex Walker? Absolutely, number 13, Tex Walker. So you got a little bit weak at the knees when the when the uh, came off on the weekend? Oh, absolutely. There's a marriage going on big time. Interesting. All right. Um, have you secured yourself a hall pass with your partner? Uh, yes, I have. And who would that be and why? Um, have you ever watched the show Friday Night Lights? It's a football show and the character in that, and the character or the actress is Minka Kelly. It doesn't hold a camera. If you know who that is. Yes, Minka Kelly. She was also in Almost yeah. Human. That's correct. And then you would know that that's the whole pass. She does like her sportsman. Beg your pardon? She does like her sportsman. Yes. So that would be, she would run a very close second to Tex. Okay. Um, now, we've already sort of touched on your ignore list, but if you had to single out one particular person, um, your least favourite Bigfooty poster. Do they have to be a current one? Yes, please. Oh, I'll give you two. I'll give you two. A past, a blast from the past that I really did not enjoy reading was Drummond, but the but the modern day one, and he's come back now, would be Dirty Bird. I don't know what it is. His comments just come across as just oh, shut up and just go away. So they're the comments. Dirty Bird would be that, that person. I don't know what it is about him, but his comments just, Irritate me some somewhat. Alex, yeah. I'm disappointed. Okay. I, I thought we had a special relationship going. Oh, you're not worth it. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> Don't forget, we can edit this any way we like. We can misrepresent you like crazy. Oh, a big brother then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The uh, usual one is Kylie and Kyle, Kylie or Danny. Alex, oh, which Kylie. one do you prefer, brunettes or blonde? Oh, Charlene. Oh. Big fella, be disappointed. Yeah, that, that'll get you a car. I'd make this big ah. fella's all over Danny. He, he's, he's got his finger on the trigger, irrespective anyway. What is your relationship with the mods anyway, mate? Just as an aside, do you, do you have a good working relationship with the mods? Oh, well, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that they have a, <coughs> pardon me, a solid understanding of where my posting habits come from and what my point of view is all about. And I know where that line is. When I cross it, then I'll pay the consequences. But I think Big Fella knows where, how far I can go, and I certainly know how far I can go. And when I cross it, then he'll pull the trigger. Do you, do you think now that you've revealed on live global Crowcast that essentially you engage in trolling, do you think, do you think that, that line uh, may shift a little? Mm, no, I've already admitted that. 
I already admitted that. Remember about two weeks ago, I made a threat. I made a, a threat about um, trolls coming on the board. And if anyone was going to troll this board, it's going to be me. Can you remember that? Uh, vaguely, something yeah. like that. So, yeah, and, and then, I, I and then, might have had you on ignore at that point. Yeah, big fella gave me a day off for that, and and he knows it's all tongue in cheek and it's all just light-hearted stuff. Well, I hope he does. And big fella, it's just tongue in cheek stuff. And finally, mate, because we know you're such an optimist, um, and you're obviously on board and flying as one with the rest of us. Um, can the crows make the eight this year? Oh, absolutely. I've got us for top four. Top four. Uh, that's not a troll. That's a genuine prediction. I'm predicting a top four finish. That would be nice to see. And let me explain. Let me explain why. <clears throat> Malcolm Blight had us go top his first year. Um, Neil Craig had us go top in his first year. Brendan Sanderson had us go second in his first year. Peter um, Philip Walsh is looking like turning the turn, turning the team around and having us become a much greater power than what we were the last couple of years. And history would suggest that we have a great chance of finishing top four, and that's where I'm going with that. Well, I like your logic, mate. Um, I don't know whether it represents optimism, um, but if we can finish top four, then uh, that'll be awesome. Um, that's it what for the Anyone else got something to add? Phoenix, what, what I'd really like to know, Alex, frog cakes, red or pink, green or brown? Uh, green. The, cl- the classic. Sounds like a perfect way to wrap it up. Uh, Alex, thanks very much for being part of the Crowcast tonight. We've really enjoyed having you on. You're a uh, sometimes controversial but always enjoyable uh, poster on the, the, uh, the forum. So once again, thanks very much for joining us. And- and that's okay because because I'm on. Let me just give a shout out to the poor boys because I know they're going to be listening because I get a mention on them more than some of their players because I'll be, be listening tonight. Oh look, they uh, have far more interested in everything that uh, goes on on our board than uh, they ever do on theirs. It's uh, quite astounding sometimes. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been advertised that I'm going to be on the on the podcast so they'll be listening so i'll just give a shout out to them and this and and i'm pretty sure that our conversation will be mentioned on their board many times um given uh, your previous conversations with us it's past your bedtime now so um off you go otherwise you're going to start getting angry i'm gonna be up Um, so thanks for joining us thanks for fronting up mate in all in all seriousness i said i would uh, thanks for fronting up it was uh you're a good sport and uh, we'll see you on the board no worries that was uh, that was Alex on fire, and um, that was uh, board talk for another uh, another week. This has been Crowcast, brought to you by Casmar Event Technologies, bringing you in excess cover band Kick live at the Emu on Saturday, May the 9th. See you there, or see you at the footy.